0: This is a Sound Health radio show with Richard, talk to me guy, and Sherry Edwards is working on the portal. However, instead of talking about the, I'll talk about the portal this way today, you can go to soundhealthportal.com and you can click on services, and from there you can choose a current campaign. Sherry has put together a campaign for the coronavirus, it's called Corona Conflict. And if you wanted to go and check your vocal print, you can go right to soundhealthportal.com. As I say, click on services, click on Corona conflicts, and that'll take you to the page. And there, the portal, this is true of all the campaigns. There are other campaigns there as well, such as PTSD and neuroplasticity and bio diet and golf. It's true, you can improve your golf swing your golf game. I know a couple of pro golfers who've made differences in how their game is by actually doing vocal analysis and seeing where things are too high or too low. But currently, Sherry has published a paper, if you go to Corona Conflicts, there's a write-up about the coronavirus and what her research has shown. But you also, she's written software that you can do right online. So if you know anybody in any other part of the country or world, that you want to tell about this they can do this from anywhere in the world with a computer you sign up for a free account the portal system will walk you through doing uh, i think two 45 second recordings which you can do right from your computer it's better if you do it with a, it's more accurate if you use a microphone even something as simple as the samsung go mic which you can find in the store at soundhealthoptions.com not very expensive. It's about 30 bucks. I have one because I throw it in my bag when I'm traveling. And it works pretty darn well. You can just set that up and do a recording. A microphone really helps with getting more depth voice or your vocal print. So using a mic really does help. But you can do it by calling in and through your computer and doing it that way. Anyway, so you sign up for a free account. You choose the Corona Conflicts. You'll get a report back within a couple of hours. I imagine it'll be a little busy, so it might take longer. It might take, the most I've ever waited for a report is up to 10 hours. And you'll get this amazing amount of information showing where things might be hyper or too much or hypo, too little. You can see where this, wow, that's a spike of this, or this is really low. And it could be about methylation, which is how you assimilate everything, or it could be about some other subtle thing that can really influence how the whole immune system works or some other part of your body. So I always suggest having a cup of tea and sitting down and reviewing it. And then if you have a practitioner that you want to take it to, you can take that, you can print that report out. And not just the Corona conflict report, but any of the other reports, like let's say bio diet, where you want to look at something in your diet or neuroplasticity, which is how the brain fires and how the synaptic gaps and all those are working and Again, it's it's kind of, for me, it's all about too much or too little or a state of imbalance in there, whatever the program is. And so you can go there and do any of, the, any of those current campaigns for free, but I think it's really exciting that Sherry has this information out there about the coronavirus for people to have access to. Then, I will say, but yet another show with Ken McCarthy, a rabble rouser for sure. Even though I don't think he would think of himself that way, or maybe he would. I'll have to ask. It has this really great websites, therealfoodchannel.com, brasschick.com. Really phenomenal sources of information. You can go and find the the replay of this show because this is one of those shows you're going to want to send other people or re-listen to. You can go to soundhealthoptions.com click on the radio tab, and then click on sound health radio. And there at the top, you will see either a stitcher tab or a pocket cast tab. And if you click on those, either one of those, it'll take you to a page which will show you this show when we're done about 15 to 30 minutes after we're done. After I press end, it'll appear there. And also a list of our most recent shows. And if you keep scrolling, there's a lot. We're veering in on 700 with both of those platforms, I, I lean into Pocket Cast because I've been using it for years and I really like a lot of its features. You can easily share that show with Pocket Cast. You can share it from a particular point in the show, which I really like because sometimes somebody I want to send it to to hear a specific segment. And so you can actually send a show from a particular point to a person. You could text it to them. You can email it to them. It's great. So you can find all of those at soundhealthoptions.com. Again, click on the radio tab and click on Sound Health Radio. And I think within the next few days at soundhealthoptions.com, under media, there will be a demo by Sherry, a recording of a demo she did on the coronavirus at the Sound Health Portal. So you'll be able to see a video of her taking a vocal print through the process of looking at the what the coronavirus software is looking at or the corona conflicts I think is what the software is called looks at and the process that it goes through how it analyzes and the information that shows up and how the information is displayed the sound health portal is really phenomenal with that Ken McCarthy was one of the foremost pioneers in the movement to commercialize the internet in the early 1990s. Many of the things we do online every day were made possible by him and a handful of his colleagues who pushed hard to make the internet a resource available to all. Ken McCarthy, American activist, educator, entrepreneur, and internet commercialization pioneer, operates several public service websites, the news service BrassCheck.com, one of the oldest alternative news websites on the Internet and an alternative health website called realfoodchannel.com. These sites are working towards promoting useful, practical information you can use to create a life that protects you, mitigates and even reverses the damages created by distorted or censored news sources. For pleasure, he operates one of the most visited jazz music websites in the world, jazzonthetube.com. Ken joins us to talk about protecting yourself from distorted or censored news sources. Welcome, Ken.
1: Hi, thanks for having me as a guest.
0: You bet. We could do just hours talking about the history of the Internet, the interwebs, I believe, as Al Gore likes to call them. Um, I had my first website in 1996. So thank you for opening the gateway. Very
1: early. Yeah, very (laughs) early.
0: Well, my first computer uh, was actually the uh, data center at Northridge uh, University, and I was at Sonoma State typing on a dumb terminal. That's how old I am. So, okay, <laughs> in we the had, way back I machine. Knew, I
1: I knew one guy when I went to college that did that because none of it, the PCs didn't exist when I was in college either, um, and I had one friend that wrote his senior thesis on the, the mainframe just, just to do it. And it was quite an undertaking.
0: That's amazing. That would mean he'd have to probably say, because I did two things. I either sat at a dumb terminal, which is for nobody. You've seen it like in old, not quite old timey movies, but pretty close to old timey movies. It's just a basic, it's a big dumb machine. It's like a typewriter. But when you're typing on it, because you're typing to a remote location, really, the cadence is not like a typewriter because you hit... The key, and then there's a moment before the pla- the key hits the platen, and it, so it's a very odd cadence. And then you get a roll out, a little roll of paper with I think that was called the Hollerith code, holes punched in it, just a roll though. And then sometime later, maybe days, you'd get a big giant printout, or you'd sit down at a at a big console. It would always amaze me how big the punch cards were back in the days of IBM cards. And you'd sit down and do the same thing where you'd type all this data into these cards and you'd submit it to a guy who was always, it was typically a guy back then. And you'd open a door and it'd be an air conditioned room that nobody was allowed in. It was like some sort of military secret. It was amazing. And you'd hand them your bazillions of cards. And it might just be saying one plus one is two, but it was still a bazillion cards. And then they'd send you back a, you know, a forest of paper printed out with your data. So it was you know, in the in the way back. So the so the part of what you create, what you started with this getting the web into commerce, opened the doorways for me to be able to sit down and years later. It was what originally was called a PC lunchbox, and log on dial up when you were doing dial up modems, and log into the internet at a command prompt. That was my first internet experience. No graphics and clicky things. There was no clicking yet. It was all just text interface. So what was, your, what was your journey from being, you know, Ken McCarthy, sponsor and organizer of the first conference dedicated exclusively to the subject of web commerce in 94 to where you are today? I mean, that's, that's an amazing span.
1: Well, in, in 95, I put on what I think was also the first conference on um, local publishing and local advertising on the web, and and that that was considered a a weird idea um, at the time, as was the conference that I put on in 1994. I mean, half the people that I talked to about it at the time who were in the digital media industry, which was pretty big in San Francisco at the time already, they had no interest in the internet at all. They they couldn't imagine why I would be interested in it. Um, but anyway, this so ninety five. I put on a conference on local publishing and local advertising, and then you know the the the, lo- the the experts at the time said, "Well, the internet's world wide web. Why would we have anything local on the internet?" And I just you know <laughs> rolled my I don't know, you know how do you deal with rampant stupidity. You know, I just went ahead and did it. And um, so as an experiment, a couple of years later. I was. Try- I had been trying to convince the local community newspapers, and San Francisco had a bunch of them. Then it may still. I haven't been there in a long time. I used to live there, but uh, you know, every neighborhood had its own little newspaper, print newspaper. And I tried to convince them that they needed to become very uh, proactive in adopting the internet because if they didn't, they were going to see their businesses taken away uh, from them by the internet. Um, I gave a similar talk to a company called Torstar, which is the biggest Uh uh, owner of newspapers in Canada. They own the Toronto Star and dozens, if not hundreds, of local newspapers. And I said the same thing to them. I said, you've got to get serious about this Internet thing. And they didn't get it. And, uh, you know, they paid the price um, for not getting it. So I decided to create an example of local reporting. And I focus, this was in 97, and so I focused exclusively on stories that were happening in San Francisco, where I lived. And there were two big stories in 97. Uh, one of them had to do with uh, something called Critical Mass, which uh, is a bike ride. It's all over the mm-hmm. world now, but it started in San Francisco. It started with five guys, and their idea was the last Friday of the month. They would all ride their bicycles home together in a clump for safety. Um, And it grew. And then it was 100 people, and then it was 1,000 people. And finally, it was 10,000 people, which is a lot of people. You you know, when you see 10,000 people in one place, that's a lot of people riding their bicycles up Market Street, which is, you know, the equivalent of Broadway for for San Francisco. And um, the police... uh, uh, um, interfered with the ride, to say the least, beat people up. Mm. I mean, it was, real, it was a real horror show. And, and, I, and, and they managed to, with the news media, blame it on the riders. The riders were unruly, the riders were this, the riders were that. Well, I, I deconstructed the whole thing and discovered that the, 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 the whole scenario had been planned out uh, weeks in advance, even trained for uh, by the police by corrupt elements of the police, Uh, and unfortunately, in every police department, there's always a few people that corrupt politicians can always call on to engage in criminal behavior. And um, we used the internet to to reveal what really happened, and I think there were like 140 people that were charged, and all the charges were dismissed. and that was a real eye- and the real eye opener for me was that the the mainstream news media the San Francisco Chronicle the San Francisco Examiner all the news all the television stations they owned lied and lied and lied about what really happened and never stopped lying and i'm like wow i mean i thought if you put the facts out with photographs with with video with with eyewitness testimonies from from professional people and professionals and, and professors and um, that people would say, Oh, well, we need to look at the truth of what really happened. But in fact, I, we even have a photograph of a San Francisco Chronicle official San Francisco Chronicle photographer with his badge around his neck, photographing the misconduct of the police. And those photographs were never, ever, ever shown in the newspaper. Um, oh. When you, one young lady was knocked to the ground. Uh, uh, did, she did nothing. And a police officer just punched her right in the head. You know, her hand, head was already on the ground. and That's a very dangerous thing to do to somebody. And there was a video guy uh, from one of his TV stations who videotaped the whole thing, beginning and end, never showed. And when we contacted him, he said, I sign an agreement. This is a, everybody should understand this. This is a very important point. He said, I sign an agreement when I when I'm t- for, to get my job. And that is whatever I shoot is not my not only not my property. I'm not allowed to talk about it unless I get permission wow. from a lawyer. That's what's going on with every single so-called news reporter you see out there. So that was one case. And the other thing, in the same year, there was a uh, a bond referendum. California is big on referendums. People, which is a good thing. Instead of voting for a politician who sells you out, you get to vote on particular big issues. So the big issue in San Francisco in 97 is should the taxpayers of San Francisco give $250 million um, tax-free uh, to the Debartolo family, a, a family known to have uh, organized crime roots, um, so that they can rebuild the stadium that they own? And... Now the thing about San Francisco, most people think it's a hippy dippy, you know, radical leftist town. It's actually a fairly conservative place on the political side of things, uh, because there's so many homeowners. There's a lot of people that own houses in in San Francisco. It's unusual that way. It's not like Manhattan or Chicago. Well, Chicago is homeowners too, but anyway, it's a very homeowner oriented place. And they were not interested in giving the DeBarlos 250 million dollar gift. So it the the the, the, the ballot was down it was down 10 percent the ballot box you know the ballot started coming in it was down 10 percent then the next count it was down nine then the next count it was down eight and the final ballot the ballot boxes went missing the last batch of ballot boxes they went missing no one knew where they were um and then when they showed up they were like 99 to 1 for the giveaway and um the the election one by 0.1%, right? Wow. So it was down, it started out as down 10% and professional statisticians came out and said, this is statistic mathematically impossible. Uh, and then I started collecting all the evidence. Um, we found out the people that were handling the ballot boxes were literal felons, um, working for a nonprofit agency that was supposed to reform felons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just, it was just it, and everybody related to that except Willie Brown, who was the mayor at the time, has gone to jail for some other massive crime. Uh, DeBartolo got caught giving a, a suitcase full of $400,000 to a, a former governor of Louisiana to get a, uh, a, a, a floating casino license. Um, uh, And all the other guys, all the other main players were arrested for something else and all, you know, serious charges and all went away. Um, But anyway, it was it was an election stolen in broad daylight in a supposedly sophisticated city. And again, the news media was 100 percent behind the, the government criminals. They. Never ever budged. I mean, bit by bit it became so obvious they had to leak out little stories here and there, but they never presented the whole package. So, anyway, there's a long answer to your short question. I thought I was doing an experiment in local reporting that would encourage other reporters to do their own reporting online, and that uh, if we did a good job, our research and investigations and you know, that we documented very carefully would be picked up by the mainstream news media. And I learned beyond no no shadow of a doubt uh, that the news media in the United States is absolutely crooked and corrupt in every way you can imagine. You can't trust a single thing. In fact, the more they talk about a topic, the more it's sure to be a, a, a manufactured lie. Sometimes they let the truth out by accident, or if it's something that they're not really concerned about they'll actually, uh, give you the straight story. But if it's in the headlines and on the front page, somebody has already massaged that thing and you're getting nonsense. So th- that's what I learned, you know? And so I, I said, well, I'm going to keep this, this thing, which I called brass check going. And now what I do is a daily email pointing to a video, uh, and the videos help give perspective on what's going on in the news. So, you know, when we're told that, Iran is the most dangerous thing in the world and we've got to start bombing it tomorrow. I run videos that show uh, uh, this wonderful tour that uh, a, a famous travel guy, Rick, Rick, Oh, I can't think of his name. Um, He's on PBS all the time, but anyway, traveling through Iran and just showing what the country's really like and what the people are really like. And uh, yeah, so I'm always, I'm always trying to give context and background and perspective uh, to counteract what's in the headlines. So
0: that's the well, last and, and one of the things I, I want to toss in there is, uh, we talked backstage a bit, I've had a camera in my hand since I was in, actually, junior high or elementary school is when I started. And I was early on in high school, I was a photographer for a couple of the local newspapers in the Monterey Peninsula. And I'd go out and do an ad, you know, I'd do ads, or I'd do, you know, they'd want to cover for something, and even then for the high school newspaper they'd want a photograph of a protest or you know some kind of event and there was at some point it was when I was in college that I was still doing that I was a photo editor for my college newspaper and still doing work for commercial newspapers and there was I don't remember the exact event but I remember at some point I I stopped doing it for newspapers because an editor came to me and said we'd like it covered from this angle As soon as I got the power of what I could do, I mean, I had always known how you could portray something photographically, because there would be times, you know, I took photographs of the classic hundreds of cars lined up with tailpipes and smoke coming out because I was always about the environment. So I, I had that already in my mind that I could skew how something looked. And when an editor came to me and said, we'd like this covered from this angle, I was like, I'm out. I'm not yeah. you know, I, I have the power, not like I'm all powerful, but I mean images are really powerful. And so to be able to do that, I mean, if we think about that horrific photograph from Vietnam with the person being shot in the head, I mean that was horrific, but that was documentation, that was a real true moment. But yep. it's all very tricky when it gets into what can be presented. And and this just occurred to me while you were saying this that back then when you were talking about the the uh, bicycle events and they were covering that those were in the days of pre, when you know videotape you had video film guys their film crews out but they were either doing it using film or using videotape not live feed now with the advent of cell phones wouldn't you wouldn't you think that the truth would be easier to get out because of cell phones everywhere
1: well bit, bit by bit it bit by bit it uh it's, it squeaks out. Uh, what was so interesting about that bicycle event was that uh, a number of people had camcorders because this was a festive event. I mean, people brought their yeah. children, grandparents came out with their grandkids. You know, a, you know, this was not a rabble-rousing group of people. This was a, pe- this was a group of people that said, we're bicyclists and we want to feel safe in our city, and we'd like the laws to reflect our rights as cyclists. Um, th- that was their one political position. And um, a lot, so a lot of people brought camcorders. So the, the way we were able to tell the real story was we just showed the real footage of what actually happened. <laughs> you know, and a lot of people had cameras and a lot of people were taking photographs thinking they were taking a photograph of a nice community event. And then when it turned dark, uh, they just kept firing, you know, the cameras. Uh, the only people that didn't show what what they filmed and shot was the news media. because. And what I found out later is uh, the family, and, and it's it's all economic, the family that owns the New York's, uh, excuse me, the San Francisco Chronicle uh, still owns a lot of land in downtown San Francisco. Uh, so they still have a, a you know dog in the fight. And when this big bicycle event took place every Friday, it depressed um, uh, so, uh, department store sales. And some of these pieces of land that this family owned were uh, land leases, and they were being paid not only rent, but a percentage of the of the sales of the department stores. Um, so they were actually getting physically or uh, financially injured by the fact that San Franciscans were coming out once a month to do this big communal bicycle ride in, on behalf of bicycle safety and bicycle rights. And uh, now, now, of course, you know, and, and bicycles were presented as terrorists in San Francisco in 1997. Yeah. I mean, literally.
0: Yeah. And, and I remember. Now, I remember now, it being announced on. I remember it being announced on Fridays, on KGO radio, which was a is still a huge, although it's well, that's a whole other show, but it used to be a really big, noted radio station with you know big net big name at least on the West Coast, and it was a huge broadcast network. I mean, I forget what their scan was, but like to Texas or something. And every Friday they do a report like, and the, the bicyclists are out today and here's where they're going. And what the, it was like a thing. It was a regular occurring event, regularly reported as a big event.
1: Yeah. It was presented. The interesting thing is when they hit, uh, 5,000, uh, they were presented as this wonderful San Francisco, uh, tradition, <laughs> you know, but when they got too big, then that's when they got beaten down. And, uh, I mean, they, they literally, I mean, they, the, 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 well, I, you know, we could go on and on about, about the corruption in San Francisco, but it, but it's, it, it, yeah, it's just uh, people, it, it, normal people have trouble imagining just how sinister and dishonest and cynical and corrupt and self-serving the, these people in the media and, and politics are Uh there's, there's always exceptions, but in general, it's, not a good thing. And both sides of the part, both parties. I, you know, I, I have to say this: anybody that thinks that either party is going to do anything for them is just delusional. You know, they they are working for. I mean, how many people know this? For example, N- near Congress, there is a large office building, and it is where most where most Congress people, senators and Congress people, spend a, a lot of their time in Washington. It is a telemarketing center. And they're not allowed to make um, campaign calls from 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 the uh, Congress. They have to leave the building to do that. So there's a whole massive building where they go to, and your average congressman and senator spends about half the time they're in Washington on the phone hustling for money. Mm. Um, do you do you think they're doing they're, they're getting that money from the local church and the local you know, uh, community support group and, and, the, and the local environmental uh, activists. And, you know, no, they're, they're getting it from, you know, Monsanto and from IBM and from Google and from all these, these, these large institutions that uh, don't necessarily have our best interests at heart.
0: Well, my byline so, for a long time has been follow the money. So yeah that's right in my way of thinking of it like it really comes down to i know people talk about well all sorts of things but i'll just say that for me it 98 percent of the time it comes down to follow the money see see who's doing the research and that's that's why i'm saying i want to say that i'm really happy that you acquired and took over brasscheck.com because it had been a resource for me When I was doing uh, uh, part of my first website was talking about it was mostly solutions to environmental health issues, whether it was water filters or full spectrum lighting or EMF or way back in the 90s, man. Um, That, you know, Brass Check was a place I would go and read articles and do research. And I'm so glad that it's in the hands of somebody who is, you know, going to keep it you You've re- preserved the original brass track, and now you've developed it into more having videos available as well and It's a really powerful place, phil you know there's a lot of great information there and finding that's part of that's part of what I wanted to ask you about is how do you how do you find stuff and how do you vet it or do you know your sources or how do you figure all that out?
1: Oh, uh, you know it's just depth of experience um yeah. You know, I read a tremendous amount, so I'm not hunting blind, you know. Um, I I know what I'm looking for. Often I know that it's already out there. I'm just trying to find a video representation of it. Luckily, very often there is a good video. You know, so I just use Google. I just use uh, uh, YouTube search. And most of the time I can actually find something that's helpful and useful. And, and again, what I'm trying to do is put things in perspective, put, give people the background that the news media leaves out, give people the other side of the story that the news media uh, leaves out. But I do read a lot and I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm coming at a it from, lot from a lot. A, there's a lot of depth of, and I have a lot of friends that know a lot of stuff <laughs> and uh, what I don't know, they share with me and, And I'm researching pretty much all the time.
0: So (laughs) yeah, I'm I'm laughing. I'm laughing because people are always. I listen to, oh man, a lot of stuff, just a a ton of stuff. And that's how I start my researches. I hear, you know, I interview Stephanie Seneff. She says something. I then, like a dog, go and hunt down that material to find out the point of origin of what she's talking about, or who the resources are. It's kind of like in the old days when we. Had the big uh, hat on and the pencil, you know, and the band of the hat, where you're like, you get a resource and then you go find it. But now, we can do it kind of on our phone, which is mind blowing. Uh, yeah, well, I
1: mean, we can we, we yeah we, we can do a, a lot a lot faster. You know, I don't have to wait for the library to open, or I don't have to acquire specialized publications. I can go on the internet and, and find stuff really fast. And and that, and that's what I'm trying to do is is um, give give background, give the other side. Because uh, that's what's really missing. I mean, one of the tricks of the of the news media is to prevent is to present things in in a fragmentary, incomplete form, um, so that nobody can ever put the, all the pieces together. Uh, and, and look, the average person doesn't have time. You know, they're they're busy making a living, they're busy raising their families, dealing with life. They don't have time to go through and piece all these these things together into a into a coherent uh, narrative. Uh, so that's so I'm just trying to do that you know uh, show people that there's usually there's usually another side to the story, and very often the the heavily promoted side is is the wrong one and it's based on finance and it's ba- and, you know and the financial thing could just be a matter of you know p- people know where their bread is buttered and um if i mean let's talk about I think uh, a particularly horrific thing that's going on which is um the the acceleration of the vaccine schedule for mm. for infants basically mm-hmm. um, you know you have this whole profession of pediatrics um, that apparently has just without even a, a battle has just given in and if if they're supposed to give eighty thousand vaccines uh, to a kid before he's five they're just going to do it and So what money are they following? They're trying to protect their professions and their careers. And I have a certain amount of sympathy for them because, you know, to be a doctor, you put in a tremendous amount of time and effort and sacrifice and a lot of money. Um, And by the way, that's one of the ways that medicine is being corrupted. They've made it so unbelievably expensive to become a doctor, unnecessarily so, by the way, um, Mm. that... Once you've gone through that, you're kind of stuck. You've got this hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar bill for your education, and you know you're really not in a position to be a a a, a rabble riser or a protester. Uh, so I have so so that's an example of follow the money too. Uh, but I mean, what what could be more horrible that the entire field of pediatrics has been turned over to the vaccine industry? And nobody asked questions about these vaccines. Nobody asked questions about how many, the, do they work? Are they necessary? Why so many? These questions aren't even being asked. And uh, I saw this and I, ra- I ran this video and I think it was very important to, you, know, to, and I, you know, I see things and I'm happy to be able to show them to thousands of people. And this is one I was very happy to show. This group out in California got on the phone, called 150 pediatrics offices, in pediatrician offices in California and said uh, my child has a medical problem related to vaccines and we're looking for mm-hmm. a doctor who will write a an exemption every <clears throat> single office every single one said we don't do that okay so here was a you know it, now they presented themselves uh, you know as being in this particular situation and it wasn't like, well, come in, let's talk, let's see him, let's go over the records, let's see if this is valid. It was a blanket. We don't do it. We won't touch it. And that's the politicians who have no training in science, have no training in medicine, have no training in public health, uh, putting pressure on the doctors who theoretically have training in those things, who should know better, and they're all folding. Um, that's the system that we've got. And uh, it's hard to believe that, that people would uh, do this to children, but they are. They're doing it. Follow the money. So You follow, follow the money. And for people that don't you – know this is a simple matter, and, and, but no one ever comes out and says it. The vaccine business is the best business. From a, if, you, if all you care about is money and you have no integrity at all, the vaccine business is the best business in the universe. Think about it. If I make a product, I can't ensure that every person has to get it. You know, if I make orange juice or cornflakes or aspirin or whatever. But with the vaccine scam, and it is, believe me, it is, it is a scam More first and foremost. I can ensure that everybody of a certain age group has to get my product, so I don't have to spend any money on marketing at all. I just have to bribe a few politicians, write a few checks to some, some shady um, uh, medical journals, uh, and I'm in, and I'm done. And the markups are incredible. And not only that, unlike any other drug that's put out on the market, I don't have to test it to make sure it's safe. And unlike any other product in the universe... If I injure people, it's not my problem. It's the taxpayer's problem. There's a whole special vaccine court set up, and uh, the money will come from, from the public. So this is the greatest financial scam in the history of man, um, and that's the, that's the basis of it. And this tra- the, the ho- horrible thing is, is we have all these journalists, these know-nothing journalists, these know-nothing doctors, and many doctors, believe me, are know-nothings. They know nothing even about their own specialties. I don't, know, I don't know how they get from point A to point B uh, with, a, with a stethoscope around their neck. I mean, the, the depth of their ignorance is mind-boggling. And Anybody that's ever had a serious health problem knows what I'm talking about. They know nothing. They know five drugs, three surgical interventions, and that's it. And if, you, and if it doesn't work, they just throw up their hands and get annoyed at you. Um, that's pretty much modern, modern medicine. Um, it always, wasn't always this way, you know, it wasn't always this way. We have traditions in China, in India, uh, and and still in, 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 um, Native American traditions where people that are in the healing business actually care and are trying to figure it out,
0: uh, well, and they, even, and they also be. have they in in many of those cultures. They also, uh, let's say, in Thailand or uh, China, they actually use herbs. I, I had a retail herb store, and I'm a master. I got my degree as a master herbalist in the 70s, late 70s. Okay. And they have they have cultures where they actually cook with those herbs on a regular in a daily basis, as just part of the part of the food. It's not a like a, right. it's like, oh, you have a head cold, here, take this. It's like you you build your health every day. And that's something that I, I'm happy to say in the I just realized I've been doing this with Sherry now since twenty twelve, which is shocking unto itself, that I have seen a trend where I see regular MDs who've kind of gone through and come out the other side and are now becoming Functional medicine practitioners or beginning to open their yeah. consciousness to like I yeah. really I, I went to medical school It seems to be at a certain age it rolls over where well, they are in some younger ones as well Well, they go through the system and then they add all sorts of further training on their own to become either a functional medicine practitioner or an acupuncturist or an herbalist or they add things where they're like I really want to help people Have good health not. Oh my god, you need a shot but like actually supplementation and diet and don't eat GMOs and watch out for the carbs. And there is a trend, but it's still the machine itself. The vaccine industry just blows my mind that how there's no other industry where you could, you know, be protected from being wrong. They're just completely protected. It's mind blowing.
1: And they also have a a whole, um, Cadre of people online, uh, journalists, some of them, doctors, some of them, um, but a lot of paid trolls that you know will attack and savage anybody who dares ask questions. You're not allowed to ask questions about this topic. It, the, the science is is settled, you know? Uh, no, the science is not settled. In fact, a lot of the science says this is a really, really, really bad idea. Um, you, men- you mentioned, and by the way, to, to the doctors. Who are pursuing the good? These folks are heroes, and, and they really they really should be acknowledged as as such because they get a lot of heat. I mean, the other reason a lot the other reason many doctors stick to the line is that if you stray too far, they will come after you and shut you down. Um, so so you know, I, I rail against doctors, but there are many many heroic doctors out there. And um, I don't want to minimize what what MDs are under the, the pressures they're under. On the other hand, they're getting paid pretty well, and they're getting pretty high social status, and they really should do what the hell they were paid to do, uh, and not just go along with the latest drug reps' um, ignorant uh, sales pitch. But but talking about food, let's talk about food because this is another really important issue. You know, we have this thing called the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. Mm. And um, one of the things I want to start, and maybe we could start with, with, uh, with Sherry's group and just make it bigger, because there are so many articulate critics of the, of the drug industry, of the pharmaceutical industry, of the food industry, but they're all kind of independent islands, you know, and we need an event to bring us all together. And so I have this idea, I'm going to call it um, uh, Pharmaceutical and Food Industry Fraud Day. Um, and mm. you know how they have, uh, you know, pizza day or hamburger day, or, you know, uh, you know, you know, these industries create these fake days to, to, to get in the news for one day a year. So yeah. I want to call it a pharmaceutical and food fraud industry day. Um, and we're going to have it on the day, uh, that the FDA was founded, which I think was June 6th. <laughs> so in my, my vision is every June 6th, Everybody that's in this world of alternative health and reporting the truth um, will just de- will just declare, "Hey, it's pharmaceutical and pharmaceutical and food industry fraud day," and we'll all come out with a story. Uh, uh, one of you know, and we'll never run out of stories, by the way, um, of one of the more egregious things that one or both of these industries have done to uh, humanity. Um, but you know, let's let's look at food. So we've looked at ph- pharma to an extent. Uh, the food is what's really killing a lot of people. Uh, well, we call it food. Um, it's, not really, it's not really food. The things that people are eating today, as a matter of course, would be unrecognizable and unacceptable as food uh, as recently as 150 years ago. People would, wouldn't even feed their dogs what, what, what people are eating today. In fact, there's a really interesting quote. I wish I could find it. I don't think I have it at my fingertips. But this is an example of how it works. You have cotton seed, right and it's a, it's a waste product of of the cotton yeah. industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can you do with it? Well, it was considered garbage, and in fact it is garbage <laughs> and it's toxic. Um, so step one was, hey, let's feed it to livestock right that, that seems to always be the first step you know we'll We'll, we'll take this stuff that's absolutely like soybeans, for example, uh, yeah. that's absolutely. unfit for human consumption in in soybeans when they're prepared properly, when they're fermented uh, and eaten in in reasonable amounts and not coming from GMO versions are not not necessarily a bad thing, but the way soy is used today is a disaster, right? But um, so step one is let's feed it to livestock. We wouldn't dare feed this stuff to human beings, but we'll feed it to livestock. Uh, So then, Cottonseed, which went from being garbage, became livestock feed, and then somebody got the bright idea of came up with some science of creating a, a solid uh, uh, cottonseed oil, uh, which could be which mm. looked a little bit like lard, <laughs> and they called it Crisco. And this was um, Procter & Gamble, and they did this, I don't know, probably 100 years ago. And based on nothing, no science, no research, no nothing, they declared it was healthier than Lord. And they spent a gazillion dollars uh, persuading uh, Americans, initially, that, oh, we've got this great new thing, and everybody loves progress, and everybody loves the great new thing. I can't blame anybody. Uh, and, And they... We're told this is the great new thing. It's healthier than lard. Uh, it's cheaper than lard. So, so Procter & Gamble went into the business of taking something that was literally considered garbage and toxic junk uh, in the 19th century uh, and put it on uh, in many people's kitchens in the 20th century. Uh, and that is the model. That's the template of the food industry. Take something Take some useless garbage that 150 years ago wouldn't even be considered edible and reconfigure it, spend a billion dollars making it look like it's food, and pass it over to the public and let them basically slowly kill themselves eating it. That is the packaged food industry. And the packaged food industry, people might be surprised, it's bigger than the oil industry. This is a very, very, very huge industry, and it was one of the first ones to get politically organized in the United States because it was an amazing moneymaker. Take one cent worth of of goods, turn it into a one dollar (laughs) product, and convince people it's food so that they're eating it every day. That's a hell of a business if all you care about is business. Uh, and money. Uh, nothing wrong with making money, by the way. I'm a businessman. I'm an entrepreneur. I believe in the free market. Um, I also believe the free market needs to be regulated. <laughs> by the way, you know, th- there's all this stuff about how terrible government regulation is, and, and it, is, it can be horrible, and, it, and a lot of it is designed to eliminate the small player on behalf of the big player. That's a fact. Um, but at the end of the day, we need uh, government Uh, to protect us from the from the big players and and their their depredations i mean we really do and so we've been kind of tricked we've been told that government um, regulation is bad all the time in every case and it should be eliminated and and life would be great if we didn't have any but what we're really we're really being sold the idea that big companies shouldn't be regulated um so they can do whatever they want to do i mean the, the biggest funder of the don't you know, anti-regulation uh, mantra is the Koch brothers, and the Koch brothers own oil refineries, uh, coal mines. Um, they also are the biggest, some of the biggest produce, the biggest producers of plastic uh, in the world. I mean, every dirty industry there is out there that needs to be regulated, that needs to be overseen, that needs to be reined in. They own, right? So of course they're against. Regulation, but the terrible thing is they've co-opted so many good people in, in robotically and somewhat mindlessly saying regulation is bad, regulation is bad, regulation is bad. No, some regulation would be good. I like. I'd love to see a real FDA. I'd love to see an FDA that wow. says, you can't feed, you can't feed human beings cottonseed oil. <laughs> you know, you can't spray glyphosate Roundup. On soybeans and then put it in baby formula, you know. So I would love to see real regulation, but of course we don't have that. We have this sinister, horrific organization called the FDA uh, that is really good at persecuting healers and really bad when it comes to identifying uh, real risks. And and I'm you know I, I'm sure I'm speaking to the pre, uh, preaching the con- the uh, converted already here, but. You know, the only healthy part of a supermarket is the produce uh, and meat and dairy section. You know, uh, that's where the real food is. You know, once you get into the middle aisles and the boxes and the cans and the bags and the this and the that and the, you know, 18,000 ingredients, you've left, you've left the planet. You've left planet food <laughs> and you're into a whole nother place, um, you know. One one thing, for example, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't realize, and and it only really has been dawning on me in recent years, is how dangerous um, uh, cooking oil, the typical cooking oil that people use, is. It's all soybean oil. And, it, you know, do you think they're going out and, and hand growing, you know, uh, organic soybean plants and, <laughs> and making the soybean? They're, they're using the most glyphosate saturated soybeans on earth. And then, you know, through various chemical processes, creating this soybean oil, and then people are cooking their, their food in it. Yeah. It's like, no wonder, every, no wonder everybody's sick. And
0: you I know? think the current estimates are that 80% of the soy, I don't know if this is in the world or in the Americas, uh, 80% or more is GMO now. So if it's GMO, that oh, means yeah. it's, it's grown. It's like happy to be sprayed with glyphosate. It's just appalling. Right. In my opinion,
1: right. And that, I and think that I was have the to great. Say that. that was it. Is appalling. That was the great shell game. Um, you know, they, they they would tell us, "Oh, you know, we're gonna." The, the world has a hunger problem. Um, well, the world has a hunger problem because there's a lot of mean people out there that that stack the decks against the poor. That, that is the core of of the hunger problem in this world. Um, and, but, but, oh, the world has this hunger problem, and therefore we need to be more productive in the in the in our growing and and therefore we need these specialized plants and uh um, you know we're going to save the world with with gmos i mean that's literally that's literally their line, and what the reality was is we're monsanto we've got a huge money maker with this glyphosate stuff roundup, and let's breed plants that can endure roundup so that we can con farmers into spraying limitless amounts of glyphosate on their crops uh, to make things a little bit easier. I mean, I, your, your listeners probably know this, but one of the ways um, glyphosate gets into bread uh, and wheat products is farmers now spray glyphosate to, to, to dry up um, their, their uh, wheat crop uh, to make it quicker Uh, to harvest and more uniform you know it's 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 use it's help it's helpful if all the plants are in the same exact condition uh when you when you when you're doing your harvesting sometimes nature allows that sometimes nature doesn't you know you have to work with nature but with glyphosate you can just uniformly uh desiccate your whole crop uh so that it's easier to cut um, that's why we're seeing, by the way, glyphosate's in everything now. I mean, there's it's in p- people that are d- drinking beer, you're drinking glyphosate. It's in wine. It's in, it's in everything. And we had a nice long conversation with Stephanie Seneff, uh, the senior scientist at MIT who's been studying this. And glyphosate is bad on so many different levels. It's finally been admitted that it's a cause of uh, small cell um, carcinoma, I think. Forget what the name of the cancer is, but it, I mean that's not even debatable anymore. Um, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, it it, dis, it dis, it's dis, you know the thing is it was designed to disrupt biological processes in plants. What makes you think you can consume something <laughs> designed to disrupt biological processes and get away with it? You know? Right. What could what could but,
0: possibly go wrong? What could possibly go exactly. wrong with that idea? Interrupt biological processes. Perhaps we are walking biological processes. Does this make sense? Well, that's the, it's, that's the it's weird amazing. thing.
1: It, it, it's somehow we've been per- persuaded that we're somehow not part of nature. You know, there's this nature out there and then there's us and we've got laptops and cars and, um, you know, central heating. And so we're not really part of nature. Nature's out there. Um, you know, people are like, Oh, we, you know, we've got to save the planet. And I'm like, no, the planet's going to be here. (laughs) Like the planet's not going anywhere right? We don't have to save the planet. We have to save ourselves, right? We're poisoning ourselves, and somehow that simple, uh, logical, undeniable reality is obscured, and it's obscured deliberately, and that's that's the function of the news media, to keep, you know, logical, undeniable, practical realizations about what's going on out of public consciousness. That's their job. Right, right. Everything else they do noise but that's their fundamental job don't let people realize that two plus two equals four because if they do they're going to be shutting down or, or making these large industries change how they do things um so that's that's why brass check you know that's why i, I created it to just keep you know, keep pushing back every day a little bit uh on all the main the big news stories of of the of the day like let me see what we're doing today i'll uh, by, by the
0: way, if well, people go to while, practice, while you're looking for something, I just want to. I, I also want to r- remind people because we're getting closer to the end. We're not there yet. That you are also, with the Real Food Channel, that you're now sponsoring the old uh, Next World TV. And I've interviewed BB uh, B. Farber, who was one of the early founders of oh, Next yeah. World TV, years ago. And I was a big fan of that channel. And now you've uh, sponsored that. And now you've become the or. Now you also do the real food channel, which has expanded from food out into a number of things. And for example, I posted this in chat this morning in my real food email. You did, posted a video about Goldman Sachs. asks the question in public is curing a sustainable business model. Right. <laughs> wow. Right. Wow. That was great with right. my morning coffee. That was like, what? Oh, my God.
1: And- They're not even hiding it. I mean, it, 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 I have an, I, I I have an article or a video up, um, and maybe since we're coming to the end, this is a good place for people to go. It's by a guy named Michael Hudson. And the article, the name of the article is how a video is how banker logic is destroying the world. And, you know, all these things, pharma, the food industry, big ag, the news media industry, they are all under the umbrella of finance. And, uh, Finance is necessary, uh, but it has a proclivity to get corrupt. And boy, is it—it's kind of reaching terminal corruption at this point. And you know, we've literally created a system where if it's more profitable for people to be sick, then the system will work to make people sick and keep them sick. Uh, and here we had this article written by a Goldman Sachs banker. He wasn't trying to write an exposé he was writing to his fellow bankers and he was really asking the question. He's going like, curing people isn't very profitable. (laughs) You know, we really need chronic diseases that don't go away to make money. And when you're living in a system where that's the case, finance and banking has, has, has gone off the rails. And Michael Hudson makes this really interesting point that in older traditions, um, before the banking system of England and the United States and, and now the, now the world, um, old civilizations used to keep their bankers in check because they knew there was, a, there was this conflict between the real world and the banking world. The real world grows slowly in an ar- arithmetic way. You know, we make little improvements every year. The banking world grows exponentially with compounded interest. So here's the problem. It's very simple. If I lend you money and I'm charging compounded interest but you're in the real world where where things only grow arithmetically, I've created a bind <laughs> for you that you can only overcome by being hyper-aggressive and hyper-reckless. And so when you look at all the things that are going wrong uh, with our medicine, with our food, with our environment, um, the, it all is following the money, and it's all the pressure of our banking system forcing uh, the, the economy to produce more dollars than it than it can to pay back the loans that are necessary to create a business. So, Michael Hudson, um, how banker logic is destroying the world. It's on brass check. So if you go to, by the way, I, I found it. I, I gave um, BB the idea for uh, Next World TV. I, I launched yeah. the whole thing for her. She, she needed a job, and and I said, what are you interested in? I, you know, and then we worked this thing out. And and then when she got tired of it, I, I bought it from her, and, and I've kept it going. Um, but if you, right. Check, if you go to BrassCheck.com, you'll see all my text articles. But right at the very top, there's a link that takes you to the news site, which is, which is uh, the video site. Uh, and that's where you'll see all the videos. And that's all the stuff.
0: And also for our listening audience, would you give the, the real food? And also for pleasure, I know this is a radical idea, for pleasure, <laughs> you also have the uh, jazz on the tube. Uh, talk about that just for a moment.
1: Well, I love jazz. Jazz is such an all-American thing. It's based on it's based on this beautiful dynamic of people working together and also being and, and also maintaining their individuality at the same time. And that is a beautiful thing. And and jazz really as a music really epitomizes it. Uh, so every day we put out a jazz video uh, with some background, some history. Uh, so. And, and we, have a lot of, we have a lot of fans. We have about 30,000 jazz fans around the world, and uh, it's such a rich thing. Uh, for jazz is. There's always something new to learn. There's always a new artist to discover. There's always a new wrinkle in the history uh, that we come up with. Um, yeah. So that's jazz on the tube. And then Real Food Channel did start out initially as a you know food only, you know diet only. Uh, you know, eat healthy food uh, Don't eat crap um, But, you, you know I, I learned the hard way That even if you have the most pristine diet In the world, you're still living in a Poisoned environment And I, I got uh, environmentally poisoned And had to heal myself from that And mm-hmm. so in the process of, of um, What I had to learn Which was, you know, talk about I mean, not, not a book here or there Shelves worth the books to sort it all out. So now we put that information out too, you know what's in food, what's in the in cleaning products, what's in what's in the new car smell issue, Gavin. Mean, there's all these mm. things out there that con- that when you put them together, uh they are pretty hard on your body. And the nice the good thing is you can eliminate them one by one. Uh in fact, you, you it doesn't even really cost anything. You actually save money sometimes by getting these things out of your life. But there's just a tremendous amount of toxic material deliberately put in cleaning products and personal care products uh, that are not only unnecessary, um, they're they're necessary for making money for the maker. (laughs) They're not necessary to do the task that needs to be done. Um, Most people, I think, know by now that white vinegar is – One of the best cleaning agents there is in the world is cheap. It's non-toxic. smells a little bit for a while, but then the smell goes away. And it's so much better than Windex or any of the 10,000 other things that were being sold to do cleaning, all of which have materials in it so toxic that if you dared put a barrel of one of these things on the side of the road and leave it, you would be arrested for for, um, disposing of toxic waste uh, without a permit. And yet they put it in bottles and sell it to us and tell us it's cleaning is for cleaning <laughs> you know it's cra- it's just crazy what's going on and and so we talk about that on real food channel
0: if you put a barrel of i'll say windex on the side of the road you'd be arrested for putting out some sort of environmental threat it's really it's amazing how they've trained us to go to the grocery store and buy these plastic bottles filled with colored liquid to spray it around, <laughs> or to wipe our counters, or to whatever, we're there are lots of great solutions. Like you say, vinegar. Wow, what vinegar
1: a powerful is amazing,
0: yeah.
1: You know, um, and it's cheap and it's biodegradable. It's cheap. And yeah. well,
0: That's it. That's why nobody wants us to buy it because it's cheap. They hate that. They have to add yeah, to it.
1: You know, <laughs> baking soda is, is, a, is a great cleaning um, uh, thing, and it's, just, it's incredible.
0: It's uh, so
1: so we can all be smarter, and uh, we but we have to start with this perspective that. Unfortunately, if it's in the newspaper or on TV, it's probably baloney. Um, and, and then when when you start with that, <laughs> then you have a chance of figuring out what the truth about things is.
0: Right. Um, well, Ken, we're we're there now. I'm surprised. Feel free to contact me anytime. We could do a whole another show about any number of a dozen things, because it's, it's really it is great to have to have your background and your history and to know that you have brass check is saved, that you're doing jazz on the tube, because I love jazz, and also because we have Real Food Channel where there are regular, simple publications. It's, he doesn't to sign up. You're not getting 100 emails from him. He's not trying to sell you the latest offer to buy some network product. It's just real information. It's a shocking idea, real information, <laughs> kind of like what I do every week here at Sound Health Radio. So I'm a big fan. Thank you so thank much you for know. what you do.
1: Oh, well, thanks. Thanks. You, thank you, too.
0: And everybody else, have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.